Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. ESPN.com. From the TCL Studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Tavius Murray spins away. And trying to get in the end zone. The ball is loose. It appears to be covered by Minnesota for a touchdown. And it is. Into the end zone. That is a... When you're watching these other teams, the offenses that you're getting ready to play, and the week before you watch their offense, and the week before that, and they're all attacking with basically the same combination of route route combinations and things, and and you see it's versus that particular style of coverage. Um, that's when it really shows up because you just, you just see everybody game planning the same coverage every single week. So. Um, you know, that's why we've had to change. Football. So uh, I think the changes defensively have worked well, if I counted the sacks correctly yesterday. Ten sacks for the Vikings defense yesterday, Matthew Collar. It was a whooping that yes. they put on Matt Stafford. I don't think there's any other way that you can put it. And what they dreamed of in the offseason of having a defensive line rotation of monster after monster coming in and guys being 100% fresh and just doing damage the whole game long, that came to fruition yesterday. With Everson Griffin back in and the fact that Stephen Weatherly, who is a good player all of a sudden, can step in for a handful of plays for Everson Griffin or come in for Daniel Hunter for a handful of plays. So he's out on the field, and those guys can be fresh, and instead of playing 95% of snaps, they play 75% of snaps. That changes everything, and I've been saying to you guys about Tom Johnson for a while, and I know oh, that it's go. like it's not the biggest, hottest name. This I is the biggest that. man crush going in this town I, right now. No, it's that this is a guy who started at three technique on the number one defense in the NFL last year and got just about zero credit from anybody, and he was really good. And then they bring him back because Seattle's management is just lost in the northwest woods and they decide that they're going to pull this ridiculous move by cutting him and then asking him to come back as if he would have no ill will. Like, oh, yeah, guys, welcome me back. I'm only like a starter on the number one defense last year. I'll just come on back to you. Nope. And yesterday he was a monster. And he is unblockable to most guards one-on-one, and that's what they were having to do because Everson Griffin was playing the way he's playing, and Daniil Hunter demands that type of attention. And so you see now that Jaleel Johnson comes in, Tom Johnson comes in, and you've got a defensive end who can mix in, and all of a sudden now they're coming in waves 
Whereas last year it was the starters are great, but then after but like that now it's completely different, and this looks like 2017 Philadelphia. So are we to deduct from what we saw, especially on Sunday against Detroit, that this team that Griffin that if this is the formula to to win a, uh, potentially win a championship, Griffin and Cook are necessities. And I would say that that while you would like to have Barr, you've definitely proven that you can be successful without Anthony Barr. Yes, I think that you have. And this should answer their question about whether they should pay up big for Anthony Barr in the offseason. That you can put in Eric Wilson or some combination with him and Ben Gideon and you can survive. It's not... It's not that he isn't a good player, because he is, and he's a smart player. He could do a lot of different things, play a lot of different spots, do a lot of different pressures, handle a lot of different coverages, but he's not the guy who's sacking the quarterback double digits. And unless you're that 3-4 type of outside linebacker who's doing that, you better be Luke Keekley if you're going to get that type of money. You better shut down the other team's run game and passing game to running backs and tight ends, and he doesn't do that. Not shut them down. He does like every five games. You Oh, like Anthony Barr is really playing today. But if you're talking about whether to pay Sheldon Richardson yep. or him or whether to pay Trey Waynes, who's actually been quite good since a rough start, I mean, you'd pay a, a top cornerback who starts or you'd pay a top three technique who starts before you would pay Anthony Barr. So I was telling these guys because the Rams and the Saints, that was a heavyweight fight yesterday and... Uh, I think both teams showed you why they are maybe the two best teams. I put the Patriots in this mix, too, but it's two of the three or four best teams in the NFL. But the Vikings have two components that most Super Bowl champions have to have. I'm not saying that they're better than the Rams or the Saints, but I am saying that they have two components, the Vikings, that you have to have almost almost 100% of the time in 2018 to win it. And it's a pass rush that flusters great quarterbacks, not that Matthew Stafford's in that category, but the Vikings have a ferocious pass rush and a passing game that can move the chains on a regular basis. And when Diggs is on the field, you didn't see it as much yesterday. They've got that too. So they're not flawless. They do have things that put them behind the Saints and the Rams, but they've got these two components that make me think, gosh, it'd be dumb to rule them out right now. When you, th- when you think about teams that could go really, really deep in January. Everson Griffin really changes that because with Stephen Weatherly, again, good player, and he's done better than I think most people would have expected. But with Everson, he is a complete game changer. He is one of the five best all-around defensive ends in the NFL. And there's a reason why Mike Zimmer's defenses have been as great as they are over these past few years, because he's been a dominant player. And you see the attention that he draws, that it goes beyond just sack totals and pressure totals. It's how teams have to factor him. Yesterday, there were a lot of two tight end sets. There were tight ends over Everson Griffin. Not that it mattered that he was plowing them back in into the quarterback all game, but it starts there as far as this team being a potential Super Bowl contender. My question is just how good the offense is and whether they actually have a Super Bowl offense. Because, I mean, this won't surprise you that historically the teams who make the Super Bowl are, wait for it, good on offense and defense. Like, stunning, right? The average team who makes the Super Bowl. Shocking. That's a a revelation right there. Yeah, that's the type of football thing. But there is a good way to look at this, though. There are patterns, and adjusted net yards per attempt is just yards per attempt with sacks and interceptions factored in. And most teams who make the Super Bowl are great at slowing other teams down with that and completing 
the you know passes and having a really explosive passing game. The Vikings are mid-pack on both of these things, and there are a bunch of teams who are so much better at passing than the Vikings that it's just not even close. There are five teams that are running away from everyone else. Kansas City, both Los Angeles teams, New Orleans and Atlanta, are so far ahead in adjusted net yards per attempt that it makes me wonder, could even a great Vikings defense slow down the Rams, the Saints, or even the Falcons if they make it because these offenses are just so explosive? And I'm going to answer that that question. The Saints in the Superdome against Breeze would be incredibly tough. But if you got a second bite at the Rams in the Coliseum, I think for one game, absolutely. I think absolutely. And and this goes back to the offense wasn't great on Sunday, but I really think that that offensive performance comes very close to what the Vikings need, which is Cousins has to has to have, if he's going to have mistakes, it can probably be one. That's it. But other than that... And this is not a damning thing to say. What you need Kirk Cousins to do is manage the game. And what you need this offense to do is be error-free. But that only means they're efficient. That doesn't mean the the Rams game is a nightmare. That 38-31 score mm-hmm. is a It's the wrong game. You're playing the wrong game. You're going to lose that game. And if you win, you shouldn't be happy. Great save on the Supermom coffee cup there. You knocked that onto its edge. That was a it just has wonderful. a little bit left. Yeah, and I am That's jacked like a, up on caffeine right now. It's like a Devin Dubnik reaction. That, right was, there. that was amazing. It was more of a stay lock because I moved it really well. It was I an overtime, right? I didn't just get exactly it was a stop in overtime. It was a three on three Supermoms. But. The Rams game in week four to me is a nightmare game because that was Kirk win the game for us, which he can't do. But I think if you played a one-game playoff and had the right defensive scheme against Goff and McVay, you've got a real chance. I think that uh, when we talk about through the Super Bowl lens, I'm going to have to see a lot more to believe real chance is how I'd put it. I would say a chance. I would say a playoff team. But what's going to depend a lot on my opinion is whether they're home or away. If they have to go on the road and work all the way through to the Super Bowl on the road, that's not going to happen. I don't see that as being possible. But if you are at U.S. Bank Stadium, I believe this team could do just about anything. Now, the thing about that, though, is that they beat Detroit. Detroit is bad. Their coach is bad. They traded away. respect. Respect for the process. Yeah, respect the process. Respect the process. Respect the process. Are you slouching over there? I am slouching. He is slouching. Every time. I have actually never sat up in my chair when on the radio. So Matt Patricia would really (laughs) not like my respect for the process of radio. Uh, But it's a bad team with a bad coach who made a ton of mistakes, starting with the kicker falling down on the opening kickoff. I mean, right there, if you had just said right there, like, Collar, how much money will you put down on this game? $1,000 they lose because the kicker just (laughs) fell down. Like, this team is never going to win this game. And that was how they played. I mean, they're still in the game in the fourth quarter, and Stafford throws a weirdo pitch, doinks off the guy's helm. It was like watching a college game where a team just melts down and does a bunch of nonsense and loses. And so, yes, you deserve a lot of credit for that win. You whipped Stafford. They usually do. Uh, At least the defense usually puts a good performance on against him. Uh, But does that mean that now all of a sudden they belong in the category of these best teams? I don't think so. However, when you see what the noise does for the protections and then you add Everson back into that mix... It's, it's very dangerous. It's very difficult for these offenses to perform at U.S. Bank Stadium. I think that would be the determining factor whether I thought, yes, they can really do it, or no, they can't. Yeah. You guys ever go to, like, these greasy barbecue shacks? You go to Kansas City, you, know, you go to that 
What's that place you wait in line? It's like a gas Gates. station. There's a few Gates of them. Barbecue? That's one of them. We got one that's called like a Q Barbecue by the house. It's just like one little shack, but yes. And there's you go a- in there and they just okay. load you with meat. Right. And there's always a guy wearing the sort of the white uh, chef's top, yeah. but just full of barbecue with a sweaty neck beard and sweaty forearms that comes out yeah. once the rush is over. That's Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia looks like he's been slaving away <laughs> yeah. and has just been sweating all over your food that you're putting in your body. <laughs> Respect the process. Except though. for the food of those places is awesome, and their team is not awesome. Their defense was okay, but it looked bad, if that makes sense. Like, the Vikings didn't put up these crazy numbers, but their defense didn't look like they have a whole lot of chance of stopping the Vikings, even though it was only 164 yards passing. But that's the reality that we should come to with Kirk Cousins, is that what what we've fallen into right now is very much a repeat of where we were last year with this team. If the defense is this dominant and this good and the offense doesn't turn the ball over and the running game does what it's supposed to do, then maybe. But ultimately, we were proven that if they have to go somewhere else and play a hot team, they're going to lose. That's how I view them right now. Now, they have a chance to change that. That Kirk Cousins has a chance to change that by maybe not flinging a ball in the air for no reason that gets picked off. Maybe just for one week. Right? Or like, can you go one week without a completely ill-advised throw that someone either drops for a pick or picks off? Can you go one week without a strip sack? Like, make people believe that you can do that against a great team, and then stop your Aaron Rodgers, stop Russell Wilson, stop Tom Brady, win two out of those three games. Until then, I am not ready to say, yes, this team is there, but showing some signs with winning three out of the last four of at least that they could take care of teams they're supposed to take care of. When we come back to the football hour here, we're going to give Prophet Matthew Collar a chance to pat himself on the back, something that happened last night on national TV for all to see how correct Matthew Collar was about something, Judd. But first time, 2016. Mm-hmm. Throwback here. <clears throat> the case for moving Cordell Patterson to running back. Okay, let's pause. Last night, combined with at Buffalo for the Patriots two weeks ago, too, Cordell Patterson, 21 rushes for, a, for just under 100 yards. So what's the math there? Five, five yards per carry on 21 rushes the last couple of weeks, including a touchdown run last night for the Patriots on national TV. And he's lining up in the single setback. It wasn't like, oh, trickeration, reverse, mm-hmm. and some of that's the case, but... No, he was lining up in the backfield as a running back for the Patriots, and it's working. First of all, I'd like to just say, Belichick, you're welcome. Like, anytime, <laughs> any way I can help. Hey, I already influenced the Minnesota Vikings this year. Thanks, if you guys, uh, If you guys recall <laughs> an, article that I wrote, an article that I wrote about Holton Hill dug up some tape of Holton Hill kick returning, and that's where George Edwards saw it and showed Mike Prefer, and then they tried him a kick returner, and his great kick return helped influence the team's final decision. Come on! So, Football! So if any other team wants some help... Free uh, advice over here. There's a podcast we have. Oh, it might um, not be free for long. That's right. Colin that's right. might want a retainer fee well, of some sort. The, well, you, know, you can you can actually subscribe to 1500ESPN.com right now. 30% off the usual rate of free. <laughs> it's, 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 you can sign up that's, right now. You know, that's it's always a holiday my, special. It's always my uh, response if someone sends me an email. It's just like, why did you rip on Kirk for this? Or why did you do that? And I always include something like, well, on this free podcast, yeah. what we try to do... <laughs> 
is we try to, you know, have a lot of different guests talking about things for free for you to have for no money. That it just like shows up to you for zero dollars and you get to have it and listen to it. Or even at a discounted rate of even less than than free. Than zero dollars. And and the best part is it it shows up right to you. Like you don't even have to ask me for it. Like it just comes right to your phone, yeah. and then but then I can complain when I don't like what you've written or said because you're being too negative yeah. towards my team. The I know I understand the pettiness of it, but I just I always find that to be funny. It's like, well, I'll give you a full refund if you want um, for that episode. Anyway, uh, the Cordero Patterson thing. There are very few player personnel things that the Vikings have missed on since Norv Turner left. I guess players who were used wrong or anything like that. And Cordero Patterson is kind of the one that got away there that he had so much talent, so much playmaking ability, and this sort of weird combination of size, but like he isn't thick, but he's got this like size and shiftiness and just nobody can tackle the guy. And in kick returns, it was super obvious no one could tackle him. They were throwing him screens with Shermer and no one could tackle him. They were having him run the occasional end around Musgrave had him taking pitches sometimes and no one could tackle him. And Bill Belichick said, because he's just the football genius of all football geniuses, hey, no one can tackle this football player, so let's give him the, the football. What a crazy concept that is. And it's been successful for them so far. Now, I, I don't know if it will be, but he mixed in for like 13 plays or 15 plays and they gave him the ball a lot and he's able to create something. And that's exactly how Cordero Patterson could have been here in Minnesota. And he wasn't, and they missed an opportunity in 2015 big time by just being sort of, what would you call that? Like egotistical or, or just can I, I stubborn. Know, stubborn is a good, can word. I read yeah, a good word for it from, from your December, 2016 piece, the 11th paragraph. It's okay. very important. You counted the paragraphs? Yes, I did. Okay. You write, the posi- the position of going from receiver to running back wouldn't be completely foreign to Patterson. In 2013, the Vikings lined up Patterson as a running back from time to time. Against the Bengals, he ripped off this 35-yard carry. The former first-round pick followed his blocks, got the edge, and then cut upfield with impressive explosion. And then it's, it's right here, and you're right. He looks natural doing it. Zimmer said at the time... The toughest part about moving from receiver to running back would be learning the protections and blocking. It's hard to know whether Patterson would be able to block linebackers or if he could run up the middle or learn the details of the position. Yeah. But where Belichick's a genius is, he doesn't worry about those things. Well, He says from the starting point, can you run the ball? Because if you can't, ask I'm not, him to. I'm not going to sweat the details. Yeah, he, I mean, Belichick knows that, and he just didn't ask him to. On one of their pass plays, they leaked out Patterson and just flipped him the ball, and he gets like 10 yards. And so they're not even having him stick in, because you really have two options when the other team's sending an extra rusher. Do you have your running back leak out and then throw in the ball, or do you have him stay in and pass protect? So if it's Latavius Murray, he's a great pass protector, you try to pass protect more often, and if it's... Cordero Patterson, you have him leak out. And for the most part, they were just giving him the ball. The other thing that they know, too, and this is just classic Belichick and hilarious, their fullback is awesome. He's awesome. So they were putting him in there behind this fullback who's just like Daryl Moose Johnston back there. Does he have, does he have the, big, just, like, the big collar? Uh, <laughs> the neck roll. The neck roll, the yeah. neck roll, yeah. He should be suspended for not having one. 
We should bring, need to bring neck rolls back the, to football. The, the all-star neck roll is so classic. Or at least the, the Brian Cox where you had like the, the board. The, the it was board. like a surfboard yeah. that went up past and his I, helmet. I'm not yeah. sure what it did, but it looks pretty badass. Was and that supposed to be like if you're tackling someone, you don't snap your neck back <laughs> off of the torso that it's on? I think that is what it, what it was for. That's yeah. what it is? It was just yeah. awesomeness. Who cares why? Yeah. It just looked cool. But then right. they, you had the neck rolls that were the, the white ones yes. on top of the jersey too. Like, like the Eagles players would have yes. the white neck rolls. Yeah, they need a neck roll for this man. And Football. He's so they're what they're doing is they're using the like an I formation and it's just a basic slam up the middle. And here's Patterson being able to find room. And the thing that he does that's really kind of unique for many running back is that a lot of running backs will sort of juke one way or another if they're looking for space. Somehow he gets skinny. Like, he is skinny, but he gets, like, into these very small spaces. In, in that run that I showed you from whatever it was, 2013, it's a very small space he has to hit, but he mm-hmm. hits it somehow. He gets in between this space, and even though it looks like there's no space there, I don't know how he does it. And I, I think this was a missed opportunity, and no surprise, there's a fullback in on that play, too, Jerome Felton, who's very good. No surprise... Is this, is this video from, yeah, from him with just the Vikings? A, just a, I grabbed a video it's clip. It's the run that yeah. Matthew was writing about. And I, I think that they missed an opportunity with Patterson to have him here, uh, to stay here as a playmaker. Now, that being said, like they would have had to pay him a little bit, but it wasn't a lot. He didn't take a huge contract with Oakland, and then he ends up in New England. So it's it's not like a devastating thing for their offense or anything, but if you were to add one more real playmaker, because now we're like, Ooh, Chad Beebe can grab the ball on third down. Like that's how bad the number three yeah. spot is. Someone called that on Ventline pregame show yesterday. That's also, right. also me. So I don't know what else you guys want predicted. When did you call the Chad Beebe thing? Um, on, on pregame. I would like to think that we co-called the Chad <laughs> Beebe thing <laughs> on Ventline. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You, you of all, all the fifty-three guys that could be brought up, mm, I mean, yeah, sure. you know, just okay. The, so the uh, chances that he would that someone would bring up the name of the guy who mm. carried the Vikings to victory yesterday. Carried the Vikings. Uh, he did. Uh, <laughs> I'm building strong. Did help set the tone. I will say about Chad Beebe, uh, he's the opposite of Cordero Patterson. But I, I mentioned on Ventline that he does remind me of Jarius Wright, which I know is like wrong race. Like, supposed to be Wes Welker or Wayne Corbett or something, but he doesn't <laughs> remind me of either one of those guys. He reminds me of Cole Beasley, he, actually, a little bit. Cole Beasley, yeah, maybe a little bit, but it's it's like the in the Jarius Wright way that you can't play this guy 60 snaps or something. But if you mix him in on third downs for like 10 snaps a game, he's got these like quick feet, great hands, he's tough to cover, for like a five-yard route. He's not going to run by anybody. But they always run the right routes. Yeah, Those guys smart. like Wright yep. always do the right thing. That was the thing. They don't screw you up. I thought you were going to say those those guys like blank white receiver. I'm no. glad you went with no, like those Jerry, guys like... Jarius Wright always ran the right route. Yeah. That was what I liked about him a lot. And his teammates respected a great deal about Jarius Wright was how smart he was. That he was very experienced, very professional, and he would just do his job. So he goes in 10 snaps, he runs the right route 10 times, yep. and Sam Bradford, I remember Sam Bradford. Pour I one asked out, by him, the way. Pour yeah. one out for old Sam. 18 point some million lost dollars a draft for three because starts. Of that. Oof. Vikings lost a draft pick with that that uh, transaction on Saturday. Oh, because he didn't because he didn't he didn't play the whole season. Correct. Yep. Oh, didn't get the compensatory I third rounder. Asked Bradford about Jarius Wright once, and he talked about him for like 
six minutes in a row. I mean, it was just like the longest answer he's ever given in his life. Without blinking, too. Without, it was amazing. No, he's never blinked. Uh, and I, I think that the quarterbacks really appreciated him because he was always there. And if Chad Beebe adds just that little extra percentage of, if he makes one more catch the rest of the year that's on third or fourth down, it was worth it for them to sign him because he beat out a bunch of guys. And it sort of shows you that if you're going to be a good wide receiver in the NFL, it's a lot different than what it takes to be a good wide receiver in college. Corey Robertson was a guy they spent a lot of money on who they cut. He just was big and physical and he would push corners off of him and catch the ball and then run over them because he was like 220 as a receiver. Well, guess what? Can't do that to Xavier Rhodes or any of the other big, strong corners in the NFL. Look at Laquan. What you... And that's a a great example. You just can't push people around. You have to create separation, and you've got to be in the right spot. Most of these offensive plays work if you have people execute them. Uh, Cordero, by the way, just to put a bow on that part. So in his career to this point, he's been. this is his sixth season in the NFL. Uh, He has caught 175 passes, and he's run the ball 72 times. But on the passes, he averages 10 yards per reception. On the rushes, 8.2 yards per rush. Now, now, it's a little bit less this year because he's running out of the backfield more, yeah. and you're not going to gain eight yards per rush out of the backfield unless you're in a video game. One but. more one more thing to say about that game last night, which disappointed a bit, didn't you think? I mean, it was close in the fourth quarter, but they did, it wasn't like laser show. That's what I was hoping for. The kid for. fumbled, too, which really put a I know, damper yeah. on it. That was a bad I, I was turnover. hoping for like some sort of football version of Sammy Sosa and McGuire at the home run derby in 98, just like these guys hitting couple, home runs. A couple guys cheating? Yeah, we did. Yeah, no. Well, 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 the Patriots well, one, were on the yeah, field, so yeah. But I think what you saw there is the situation with Mike McCarthy is just untenable. Let's it talk more about that next. Continue. Let's talk more about that next because, well, actually, we also have more Packer <laughs> vent line to get to, too. Matthew Collar is hanging out with us. It's the Football Hour. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. Football. The football hour continues. We'll wrap with Ricey here shortly. Uh, last night, yeah, we were talking last segment during the break. Kind of we're hoping for a 38 to 35 just back and forth. And it wound up that, and Chris Collinsworth and the NBC broadcast do such a great job of showing why is Brady struggling? Why is Rodgers struggling? Oh, it's because the defense is doing this after the snap and such and such. And it took both quarterbacks a while to figure it out. And Brady figured it out in the fourth quarter. But, um, yeah, I, Aaron Rodgers, I watched him after the game. And he goes up and does the hug with Tom Brady. And Tom Brady pats him on the head. And, oh, yeah, like, sorry, dude. And then Rodgers, it was Belichick that sought him out after the game. And Belichick, like, how often does Belichick, like, go seek somebody out on the other team? And he goes and seeks out Aaron Rodgers, and they embrace for a minute and hug, and Belichick whispered something in his ear. And I'm just, like, trying to think of all the things that Belichick could possibly be whispering in poor Aaron Rodgers' ear. Try cheating. Yeah. <laughs> get out. Dude. Yeah, get out. Get out now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's deflate ta- the football. Yeah, it, deflate the football. Yeah. It, it's time for Mike McCarthy to go. And I, I think it couldn't have been any more obvious last night that one coach had a clue and the other one didn't. One coach had some stuff up his sleeve that he knew was going to work. The the brilliant fake screen, which I don't know if I've ever seen that before. I'm sure Belichick would tell me, 
while it was used in the wild card game in 1981 or something. Uh-huh. You know, but like, because he's such a great historian that he'll remember old school plays. They even do a bit on their website where he will show a play and then where it was used in a historical game from like the 80s or something. It's, cool. it's, yeah, it's a great idea and not surprising that I he, love that he shares that stuff too on that platform. I agree. Zim, <laughs> Zim, you want to share it? He's yeah, less open to that sort of thing. Yeah, but is. then again, you get some rings, maybe that opens you up a little bit. Um, but but anyway, with McCarthy, you just saw a lot of basic. That's what their offense looks like. I mean, I, I get done watching the fourth quarter of New Orleans and the Rams, and just like your head is spinning. Like these just guys are like Peyton is just showing Sean McVay, like I used to be you, and this is how it looks, you know, and that sort of thing. They're just throwing haymakers at each other, all sorts of great offensive design. And then you see the Patriots who use a lot of creative stuff, but they wait till the exact right time to do it. And here's the Packers running the same route combinations out of the same looks over and over. And a great point from Greg Jennings. Can we call him friend of the show? Because we met him at the Super Bowl. Rip Ponder, so I like him. Okay, Greg Jennings, friend of the show. He said on NFL Network about this, he was like, look, when we had five good receivers or four good receivers, you could get away with that because we just win our routes. And that's like Thielen and Diggs. They just win their routes. You could do basic route combinations, they'll win. But when you have... Equinemius St. Brown or whatever the hell the guy's name is, and that's like your number two or three receiver, you're not going to win. You've got to find some creative ways to get Devontae Adams But that's never been Mike. Mike has I know. Been, Mike, Mike McCarthy was an OC for San Francisco, and I believe before that he might have been a tight ends coach. And he got the job, but he also inherited what? Ted Thompson. Ted Thompson back then got personnel. Ted Thompson did a really good job. Mike McCarthy has never been the creative genius. He has benefited from the fact that the Packers knew when to transition from Favre to Aaron, but that's it. That's it. This guy has never, this guy hasn't lost it. McCarthy never had it. Uh, Packer fans disagree, actually. Go, Pack, go! You have to think the national audience, especially if anyone watched the. uh, the Rams and New Orleans um, were greatly disappointed in terms of the team and quarterback play. Uh, I watched four or five quarterbacks better than two the two guys that were playing out there tonight. Go, Pat, go. Thanks to Larry in on Alaska there. Now, okay, so Larry might have a bit of a point because I see like with Brady – with Rodgers, he is just so up against it. And eventually it feels almost like annoying to talk about because it's just like, okay, we're making excuses for Rodgers or something. But when you actually look at up close at some of these other offenses, I think if you switched Rodgers and Breeze, he'd be doing the same thing that Breeze is doing and maybe even a little bit more. He's th- he's that good. And last night to even be in that game, he's got to make five ridiculous bananas throws to make anything happen. And that's what they're asking him to do every single week. It almost reminds me of early John Elway, where the team wasn't all that good. They might have had some decent defense, but like they didn't have great receivers, great running game. And Elway would just run all over the place and make all these crazy throws. I don't think in today's game you can really do that as effectively as you could then. And so you're seeing these other quarterbacks, too, who are up and coming, like a Pat Mahomes, and he's got everything. I mean, he just inherited this golden throne of Tyreek Hill and he gets 50 free yards from checking it down 
two to Kareem Hunt and watching him run for a touchdown. It, you know, it's just like some of the you see this huge gap between the teams that have Michael Thomas, who has caught seventy balls on seventy nine targets. What like and the, the Joe what, Horn celebration last night? That was by amazing. The way. That was great. Totally that worth was the fifteen fantastic. yards. <laughs> you know, it's just they don't learn, right? So when Randy Moss pretends to pull down his pants and they, you know, and it's a disgusting act and all that sort of thing, and everyone hates you forever. Last night it's Troy Aikman. How can you do that yeah. in this game? A 15-yard penalty. And ah! finally, a producer finally like, got in their ears. I, so I was watching that on Red Zone Channel, and Scott Hansen was going apoplectic. Like, they, it's like they don't they don't know it's the Joe Horn celebration. Somebody tell them it's the Joe Horn celebration. <laughs> How do you not know that? Some, well, maybe they. It's possible that. Joe Buck did know it, but I'm not going to mention such a disgraceful act on. And I love Joe Buck, but come on, like you got to you got to acknowledge where that comes from. But they were up, they put him up by ten, which pretty much ended the game. I mean, I know the Rams have an explosive offense, but it doesn't really matter where you give them the ball; they're pretty good there. The 15 yards at that point, it, it, I wouldn't say it was the smartest thing I've ever seen done, but also at that moment, instead of being like he's pulling out a flip phone, what is he doing? And then someone else says, "Oh, it's the Joe Horn so celebration." You have to hide a flip it's, phone in both goalposts, right? Must be, yeah. Unless you have someone, it's pretty simple to do. Now, someone brought sm- this up. Small. What if he had picked it up, opened it up? And Joe Horn from 2003 was on the line. <laughs> wow. Mind wow. blown, right? I would, 2006, wow. whatever I mean. it was. Football! Football, yeah! yeah. Like, what would Joe Horn have told him? I would have gone with brick phone. Just pull the brick phone out. The big old <laughs> the Saved by, by the, the Bell, Bell Zach Morris brick phone. Yeah. yeah that would have that been tougher to fit underneath the uh, goalpost pad, though. The one, thi- the one thing that I will say is... Rogers has perfected the "you've screwed me" look. Oh yeah, he's got. He's <laughs> oh, got. Yeah. I swear to God, he's perfected it. Yep. Basically, it's the look that that you get from your wife when when you've screwed up, but he just gives it on the field constantly. You know that look well. Oh, 25 years of marriage. I know that you screwed <laughs> but, me. Look, but, yeah. but that's right. That, but it's that look. That's why the McCarthy thing is at such a critical position for them because yeah. they're not out of it. And you still have you know the Vikings to go, and their schedule isn't crazy, crazy hard down the stretch. There was a crazy caller that said you know they need to win seven out of eight, but it's not insane. But when you look at how they've been playing, it's almost impossible to believe that they could do that with Mike McCarthy as their head coach. So it's are you going to just keep him because you're okay right now, and you can maybe go like eight, seven, and one or whatever? Like is that what you're going to do or? Or should you gas him right now and see if you could save this thing? I think that would be a probably a better play. Yeah, I would have gassed him before the season. But yeah, no, I are. think so. I think he's proven that even with a different defensive coordinator, that still he is not up to date with NFL offenses. And if you're not and you don't have good wide receivers or great wide receivers, you are just not going to win a lot of games no matter who your quarterback is. That is Matthew Collar. He writes about the Vikings and other football things for 1500ESPN.com. Purple podcast recap from last night. You can also find Sage Rosenfels as a regular contributor. We wrap with Royce when we come back. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic before we wrap with Royce here. 94 eastbound, we've got a crash uh, in Minneapolis near uh, Minnesota 65. That's adding an extra seven minutes to your commute. So if you're in that area, be on the lookout for it. Gentlemen. Thank you, Manny. 
Hello, Patrick. Hello, gentlemen. What's happening with you today? Uh, what has happened with me today? Not uh, not too dang much. I've uh, been uh, pretty uh, pretty low. I've been sitting around uh, contemplating uh, this, the fate of old Vikings here. Uh, oh. Boom boom, you know, boom boom is now uh, the latest. And I I called Roy Winston to get a quote about him uh, yesterday, and Roy's got dementia and. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I was wondering, here's what I was contemplating. If you ask a guy like Bill Brown, right, he dies at 80, but he also, his quality of life uh, went to hell quite some time ago. He's, you know, hips, knees, moving around, uh, and then, you know, six, seven. Do you think they think it was worth it? Man. Not financially. Do you think they think it was worth it? They probably do. Yes. I was, here's my thought. So you have this 10 or 12 or 13, 14 years of camaraderie and competition and laughs and fun and, you know, I mean, football, it's brutal on Sunday, but it's great the rest of the time uh, if you don't have a nut job for a coach anyway. So who's hitting, making everybody hit and everything. But what I'm saying is, or five years when you're, five more years when you're 80 years old, you probably say, yeah, it's worth it, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, absolutely. Well, that's that. that yes. But it's it's it's. But you you man, that generation especially pays for it, man. Everyone I talk to, they're paying for it. You know, it's easy to say when you're because we we actually asked who is that uh, that uh, Alex Boone, that psycho offensive lineman for yeah, the Vikings. Right. We actually asked him. Well, right now, if 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 I told you your quality of life yes. a- after the age of fifty five or sixty is either going to be diminished greatly or you just won't be around but you'll still make millions of dollars he instantly said i would still do it but it's easy to say that when you're 29 and here's the part of the the other part about it the guys from the 60s the guy at the working at the bank putting out car loans was making as much money as them they didn't get the money out of the deal either yeah they got they got the the brain and they got the dementia early they got uh, the bad knees, the bad backs, the bad shoulders, the bad hips. But they didn't get the money. You know, Bill Brown, the season and end, he'd go get a job. He'd work somewhere. They, they worked, and uh, they, they're not low. You know, those guys don't have any money unless they had somebody who put them in some good deals in the, in the 60s and 70s. Those are 60s, early 70s, those original Vikings. They don't have any money. So it's a, it's an interesting thing. God, it's a brutal sport, though. Oh man, it's yeah. oh, it's, it's an awful life. Yeah. But yeah. I but I think those guys back then, especially, loved it so much mm-hmm. that that if you went and asked them now, that for the most part, most would say absolutely they loved mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I always but but I think all of us now. I'm seventy three now, you know, and you always say. Oh man, you know I don't want to live past eighty. You know, yeah. But he, when you're seventy-eight, maybe you do. <laughs> you How's know? the knee, by the way, after the tumble uh, this weekend? It, I'm recovering, but uh, it's uh, it was interesting because uh, I was at Mankato, right? Yep. And the worst steps in America, Black Blakesley Stadium from the press box <laughs> down. Have you been in? Yes. They're the worst, right? Yes. And it's raining. Mm-hmm. And I made them up and down those things twice. Then I went to the hockey game and was walking around there and covered that, and I'm driving back. I get home. I'm going downstairs. I missed the last two steps and do a both plant job on both my knees, and my right one 
I had surgery on 60 years ago, and it still swells up whenever anything bad happens to it. And I, I've been limping around, but it, it's better. I don't think I heard something go rip, but it uh, doesn't seem to be swollen up, so it's it's probably nothing. So anyway, it was. Uh, but my wife, as I said on Twitter, is always chewing me out for walking down the steps in the dark. You know, even though they're little landings of five or six steps, so I couldn't even tell her that I was down there laying on the floor because I didn't want her to be able to say, I told you, you dumbass, you know. Pat, do you get those offers in the mail for those now that, you know, I mean, you're getting a little older. Do you get those little, yeah. like, uh, I've fallen, you know, emergency buttons? Oh, Have you yeah, ever? The, the yeah, life yeah, alert. The life are, alert, yeah, life oh, alert. Oh, life alert, yeah, they, I get all that good stuff. I'll tell you what, when you're 70, they once you hit seventy, man, they harass you unmercifully. Every, you know, everybody's trying. You know who else harasses you unmercifully? The people who think they can get somebody who's a little diggy and will take some dumbass plot. You know? Oh yeah. You know, some those that yep. try to sell you stuff that. Uh, and this is the IRS, and if you don't send me a check for twenty eight hundred dollars today, we're going to come and arrest you. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. That's the way we do it, huh? You just call people up, uh, you know. Is that how PJ Fleck landed his defensive coordinator? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, well, this new one, I wouldn't get too excited. He he, he coached that mighty Rutgers defense a couple of years ago. So. Oh boy! Did you see the picture of this guy? The new guy looks like he's been sentenced to coach these guys. Not got uh, the opportunity. Well, he'll you know he'll they'll have to. Uh, you know, go get this is just temporary though. He'll have to go get one. You know, hey, come up with a million and a half and hire the guy from Wisconsin, Jim Leonard. Get yeah. yourself somebody in here. You know, spend some money. Go get somebody that uh, knows what they're doing. He's already had four coaches leave. Four out of the original nine. PJ has. Yeah, well, Warner left the offensive lineman yeah. went to what Ohio State or Michi- Michigan. That's right. You're right. Yep. And the guy from they they gave a promotion to that Lindquist kid, and then he turned around and went to Texas A and M. Hey, failing then, is learning. Okay. And then Brad Bryson. Well, even I even I'm starting to mock it a little bit. I'm still <laughs> giving it some time, but well, that Illinois thing. How's that happen? It's unbelievable. You know, I mean, Lovey, yeah, I Lovey Smith is still sitting over there with the same expressionless look on his face that we saw at the end of his Bears run, and somehow well, that team goes for 700 yards on you. And he never wanted to coach him. It was strictly for the money. By the way, Manny. Yes, sir. Herm, another big victory for Herm. Yeah, yeah. how about that over a pretty good Herm? Utah team, right? He beat, yeah, kicked the hell out of Utah last week. He won at Southern Cal. Herm, we got it going. Yeah, Herm's uh, oh, Herm. Herm's Herm's gonna make it to a bowl game in the middle oh, yeah. of December somewhere, but Hell good... he might win the South because they all stink. Pac twelve South is brutal. If, if you go uh well they play nine games, if you go six and three, uh, you know, five and four might tie you for the division title. Yep. So. Well Pat, ice up and we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, yeah. All right, all right. Pat, we wrap with Royce every day. We're trying to sell them things. I love that. <laughs> They, th- they think old people are going to just yep. bite on the inheritance trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find all of our on-demand stuff at 1500ESPN.com, Purple Podcast, all kinds of Vikings coverage from yesterday as well. See you guys.